The Importance of Confession, on this edition of Truth in Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth in Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. Today on Truth in Love, I want us to go into a direction that is maybe a little uncomfortable, unfortunately so for we who believe, but but I want us to go into a direction where we talk about repentance and confession. Now, in biblical counseling, this is a big deal. We, we talk about repentance. We talk about confession quite a bit. We, we often talk about the importance of repentance. We, we talk about uh, the counselee and, and, and helping them to understand uh, how and where to repent uh, about issues as the Lord reveals issues in their life. Today, what I, what I want to do is, is certainly not minimize that, but, but I want to highlight why repentance and confession are so critical when it comes to healing in the soul. And in moments like this, what I want to, to focus on is not so much uh, the counselee. I want us to start focusing on we who are in ministry, uh, we who are often doing the counseling. In this era of pandemic, it's interesting to me what the Lord is doing in, in many of us. And what we are accustomed to doing, especially as the, the counselor or the one who is in ministry, is we're accustomed to teaching about repentance. We're, we're accustomed to talking about repentance. We're, we're accustomed to uh, helping people repent and turn from uh, their own sin and to confess those sins. But maybe it's not something that we, we practice in particular, or, or maybe it's not something that we, uh, we do regularly. I think it's important during this season, as the Lord continues to reveal um, issues in our own life, right? We're, we're at home much more, and we see uh, ourselves as this drags on. Maybe, maybe we're not speaking as kindly as, as we normally do. Maybe it is that we, we find ourselves in our normal busyness of life. We're sort of passing in the night. But now, man, we're actually having to have uh, real conversations, slow down and, and engage with one another at a deeper level. And, and we're starting to see maybe the Lord is revealing all sorts of nasty things in our heart. Well, that in and of itself can be healthy. It could actually help to turn us back to the Lord our God. And, and I don't want to waste these moments. And for we who are in ministry in particular, I think it's important that we, we not waste these moments because I think that invigorates our ministry with and for other people where now this is not just something we're telling them about. This is something that we experience as well, the, the healing grace and kindness of the Lord as He reveals sin in our own heart and as we consistently repent and confess. A couple of passages that I think are are insightful and helpful to us. These are passages that you're familiar with. 1 John 1, 8, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Well, that's a good place to start because it's an acknowledgement that that we have sin. We, we struggle ourselves, to, and we're lying to ourselves if we're saying that that's not true. And the Lord is kind and gracious to reveal that to us in moments just like this. Verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the Lord is telling us we, we need to confess. We need to bring those things before him. Another passage I'll just mention, James chapter 5, 
We could start in verse 13. I want you to hear down through 16. It says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing a song of praise. Is anyone of you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save him, the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, confession is is often not in vogue because it's uncomfortable. <laughs> but Thomas Watson, who wrote a book called The Doctrine of Repentance, says repentance is never out of season. And oh, do we see right now how ripe the season is for our own repentance and confession. What is the Lord teaching you? What is the Lord revealing about you? Can we cease lying as if the Lord is not revealing so much about our own hearts? but he is revealing uh, deeply some of the issues that that we may have. And and what I want us to do is not run from that, not hide from that, not try and cover that with so many superficial things in the world as our normal daily routine demands of us, but to be still, to be quiet, to run to the Lord in confession and repentance. What I want to do is just to bring to your attention a a couple of things that, that I've learned through reading Thomas Watson's book, The Doctrine of Repentance. In this section, it's chapter 2 of his book, and he, he's working, he gives several, six basic ideas where he talks about that are necessary for the process of repentance. And one of those that's just been on my heart and mind has been this issue of confession. That's point three that he would give there in his uh, pathway toward repentance, true repentance. And I think it's absolutely critical that we think of confession as a critical piece of the puzzle. And I think many of us enjoy the idea of confession, but maybe we don't participate in the practice of confession. So today I want to encourage us that as the Lord acknowledges sin and illuminates sin in our own heart, may we be ones who practice confession. Because here's the reality— The same earth that causes the sweetness in grapes causes the bitterness of crab apples and cranberries. That same earth that causes the sweetness in grapes causes the sharpness of thorns. So what is the Lord revealing in us right now? Is he revealing soil that is producing bitterness in us with the environment that's around us and the pandemic influences and pressures that are all around us? And in this moment of true and deep sorrow, as the Lord continues to reveal and challenge us through suffering, what is it that's venting? What is it that's coming out? Can I encourage you, believer? This is what Thomas Watson says. He says, sorrow vents itself at the eyes by weeping and at the tongue by confession. Why? Because confession truly is a salve for the wounded soul. So I just want to walk through a couple of things that I think would be helpful. And these are come straight from Thomas Watson. I wish I could claim them, but they're not my own. But I do think they'll be helpful for you. The first thing he says is that confession, and there are many of these. I'm just going to give you four. The first thing he says is that confession must be voluntary. Now, I think this is incredible because he's saying this is something that, that can't be coerced. Think about this in the counseling room. It's not something we coerce a counselee into doing. This has to be something that flows from God's illumination by his spirit of a conviction of true sin. And, and now we respond voluntarily to say, 
it was me. Watson says it like this, it must come as water out of a spring freely. This must flow out of us as one whose heart has been broken by what God has revealed about us. Confession must be voluntary. It's not something I can coerce in you, but it demonstrates the tenderness of a pure heart before the Lord. This is why keeping a short account with the Lord and having uh, and repenting consistently is so important. It's not because we don't sin. It's making sure we keep a short account with the Lord. You see, repentance and confession before God of our sin was not just a one-time act by faith at our initial salvation. Repentance is an ongoing practice for the believer, and it's a means by which our heart remains tender and the Spirit, the work of the Spirit, flourishes in a heart that's tender. One of the second things that he says is, in true confession, we must particularize sin. He says this, a wicked man acknowledges that he is a sinner in general. He confesses sin by wholesale. Now, I think that's an interesting point because uh, it's, for many of us, we don't mind saying things generically. Well, I struggle with this, and I struggle with that. When in reality, the Lord in his word tells us, 1 John 1, 9, to confess these things specifically to him, modeling David in Psalm 51, bringing specific sin before the Lord. And then also in James chapter 5, where we would specifically, with one another, confess sin. It's a demonstration of humility in our own hearts. It allows us to be able to express ways in which we have failed the Lord and exalts him. And so not to express sin in a wholesale manner, right, but to specifically describe what is the Lord revealing in our heart? What are the specific issues that we find ourselves struggling with? A third thing, a true penitent, Watson says, confesses sin in the fountain. Now, I love the way that Watson, through this book, describes this idea. And what he's simply saying is is he's going against the normal flow of our heart What we see revealed in Adam and Eve and you see so prevalent in your own self is that when when the Lord illuminates sin by some sort of pressure in our life of of suffering or whatever, is we have a tendency to want to blame shift, to, to point out that this was someone else's fault, to point in someone else's direction. But what we must be very aware of is that we must confess sin where it resides, in the fountain, and that fountain is us. That fountain is in our own hearts. We must confess wholly from our own nature. We cannot shift the blame. We have to take ownership and responsibility for what we see brewing out of our own heart. And by that, that's what breeds true repentance, true confession. It's to confess those things and not to shift blame to someone else. Because when you shift blame, you are just simply justifying what you're doing. And there is no means at all to justify the sin that resides in your heart or the sin that resides in mine. And so this is a protection from us to keep us from from running to pride and wanting to blame shift, is to confess where this truly comes from in the heart. And I want to tether this with, with the final point. Because so often, our blame shifting ultimately, as Adam demonstrated in the beginning, our blame shifting ultimately leads back in this succession to where we ultimately find ourselves blaming God. You remember how Adam did this? This was the woman that you gave me. You see, interestingly enough, when we, 
when we start to blame shift and, and we don't acknowledge our own responsibility and where the fountainhead is of this desire and evil and wickedness within, we begin to blame other things around us, ultimately blaming God. And the fourth and final thing that I want to mention is in confession, we must so charge ourselves with this sin that we clear God. Now, I think that's an important point that Watson is making. He, he continues to say this, confessing sin vindicates God's righteousness. So be encouraged that when we confess sin, it actually vindicates that the Lord is the righteous one. He is the judge of all the earth, and he always does what is right. And I know the tendency of your heart because it's a tendency of mine. Is when the Lord uses situations like this, which alter our routine and really begin to shine a magnifying glass on, on my own heart, it, it, our tendency is we want to begin to shift blame to somewhere else. But we have to confess sin to, to such a degree to acknowledge that what God is doing is actually graciousness to us. It's kindness to us that what God is doing is, is not his fault that we respond in sinful ways, but the pressure that he puts on us is actually kindness, that it reveals the wickedness within. But yet we are so often deceived and tempted into shifting that blame as if, God, if this hadn't happened, then I wouldn't be like this. Or God, if this hadn't happened, then I wouldn't respond like that. You see, what happens is we begin to blame shift as opposed to, to calming down and being able to acknowledge, God, because of your kindness to me, right now you're revealing in me by this suffering, by this difficulty, by this pressure, and Lord, help me to own it. Help me to confess this before you. See, this is demonstrating that God is gracious to reveal, but he is not the cause of our sin. And so practice confession. Confess voluntarily, acknowledging that this, this comes from you. This problem, this issue comes from you. Confess a particular sin, the specific sin that the Lord is revealing in you. Confess your own responsibility without justification and blame shifting. Because by doing that, what happens is we begin to vindicate the goodness, the kindness, and the righteousness of our God. Remember, the Scripture teaches us that a broken and contrite heart the Lord will not despise. Don't waste these moments. Don't waste these moments because what, what will happen is this will season you well in ministry when you begin this habit of listening and hearing God, having an ear toward what He's teaching you as His Word reveals in you the ways that you respond that are sinful. And use these moments to run to Him in confession and as you do that, it will season you. So that way, when you engage in ministry, the way in which you speak will be seasoned as salt. And you will be wise to give words for the moment. And you will value repentance and confession the way the Scriptures value it. And you will encourage those that you're ministering to. And you can confess by witness, by testimony of your own, that this is the means by which God heals the wounded soul. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Now, in the coming weeks, we intend to highlight what's coming up in May. May is Mental Health Month. And of course, we in biblical counseling certainly have a certain perception about the concept and the idea of mental health, but we want to capitalize on 
this month in May. And it's interesting, we'll be talking about this throughout the month of May, uh, topics related to mental health. And, And what I want to use this for through the month of May is to redeem some of those ideas that are proposed in secular terms in the mental health world. And I want us to utilize that time to recover a biblical description. How do we respond biblically to the way the secular world categorizes these human problems? And so we're going to do a a four-week podcast series throughout the month of May talking about these issues of mental health. One of the things that we see even with the coronavirus right now is people are concerned about a fourth wave of impact because of the coronavirus. And so mental health is getting a lot, of, um, a lot of press these days. And so I want us to address some of those issues from a biblical perspective so that we're not swayed by the cultural, secular influences of the world. So I hope you'll join me in the coming months on that. With that said, I want to encourage you, if you have a question that you would love for us to answer in regard to mental health, we would love to hear from you. And you can send that question to us at info at biblicalcounseling.com.